Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Indeed, it is another episode of your favorite podcast in the world, or maybe one of them. Close, top five, anywhere close. It is another episode of One Man's Opinion. This is episode number 20. Today, we're calling it by the Browns. Now, what the heck do we mean by by the Browns? If you know anything about me, you know I like to talk football, and that's what we're going to do today. So you could probably circumvent, because you're all smart listeners, the Cleveland Browns. I'm buying in on them, and I'm going to explain why throughout the course of today's podcast. Appreciate you guys downloading it, the show. Appreciate your patronage, your patience, as uh, it's been eight, nine days since I've recorded a new episode, but they're going to be coming fast and furious for you over the next couple days and weeks ahead as we dive full on into football season. That's not to say we're not going to have some fun. Of course, we're going to have some fun. Of course, we're going to talk some pop culture stuff. Of course, I'm going to go on rants and rampages. Of course, I will talk about the personal life and things that I've been through. Um, So all that is coming down the pike. It will be happening Today, we're going to talk some football, though. Indeed, this is episode 20. I am Jeff Manns, in case you just stumbled upon it. If you like what you hear, would appreciate you guys telling a friend, download it, hit that subscribe button, like it, give it a rating, whatever. Even if you don't like it, you don't like my stupid voice, stupid face, whatever I'm saying, you don't believe what I'm saying, whatever it is, we want your feedback here as well. You could follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mans, M-A-N-S, The Jeff Mans on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and of course, my favorite on TikTok, The Jeff Mans over on TikTok. That's right, 40-year-old man on TikTok. It's perfectly okay, people. Get away from the politics. Get away from the the aggressiveness of Facebook, Twitter, and other social media outlets. Just have some fun on TikTok with me, The Jeff Mans over there. Folks, you know the draft guide, Fantasy Football Draft Guide, is available at fantasyguru.com. Early bird pricing is still there. My podcast listeners don't. The only promo code we are running anymore for any one of our sites is Radio 20. Radio 20. That will get you 20% off any of our subscription packages at Fantasy Guru for the draft guide, full season of fantasy football. It's right there for you. Uh, coaching breakdowns that which by the way we're going to get dive into a lot today why do i like the browns well i'll tell you this coaching staff is a very very primary focus of that so we'll talk about that we got offensive line rankings projections we've got rankings we've got the my guru tool out there i talked about that i think in the previous podcast a, a draft room in which we I am in several hours every single day. Our entire team of fantasy analysts are in there every single day, answering your questions, helping you in live drafting scenarios and settings. Again, full service. We've got podcasts, 55 zero strategy podcasts all ready to go for you in the draft guide itself at Fantasy Guru. No extra charge for those live streams. You can see our adorable faces and interact live with us during a live stream every single week, several of them, we got three of them a week now, over there at fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com. Again, all things daily fantasy, our VIP package, $60 the rest of the summer. Every single sport we cover, including the return of Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, every single sport. And again, only place you're getting a discount from the already lowered price is right here. Radio 20 is where you find that. And of course, elite sports betting.com, all our sports betting, formula one, poker, horse racing, NHL, NBA, major league baseball, KBO baseball, every single thing. Again, our team of analysts also bet on these games as well and have a tremendous track record. Over 80 units in the last three weeks alone by our PGA golf staff. How amazing is that? I'm not a PGA golf guy. I don't play DFS PGA. I don't bet on PGA, but our guys do. Get over there. Fried Egg Polly, we call him Golf Man Polly. He and Real Frank Brank and the crew are just doing an amazing job. So check that out as well. All right, let's dive into it. All right, I'm going to start this podcast off on a couple of levels. Yes, I'm going to dive into the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to talk about why, if I like them, 
I think it's already pretty clear I do, right? I titled the damn podcast by the Browns. Well, why would I say that? What if I did that? Maybe I should do that. What if I just named the podcast something and then talked about something totally different? Would that be nice? No, that'd be a shitty move. That'd be, that'd be an asshole move. Speaking of assholes, uh, let me start out the podcast talking about that. A couple good things. A uh, few podcasts back, I think it was episode was 18, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where we talked about what's up with Elite Fantasy. It's actually episode 16. Talked about what's up with Elite Fantasy. A lot of you have been asking me questions on social media, at Jeff underscore Mans, the Jeff Mans on other places. Uh, what's going on with the site? What's going on with the company? We have seemingly lost a bunch of our uh, top-end talent. And that's not wrong. We have lost several of our top guys. Now, I have been trying all that I can. For those of you who are sort of in the inside of the DFS, daily fantasy sports, or fantasy sports industry, I have tried all I can do to bite my tongue, to be respectful. I believe in being respectful to others, even when you don't get along, either even when they wrong you. But there has been a lot coming out lately a lot of people coming to me and say hey man just so you know this guy's saying this and that guy's doing this and what have you and i think some of you are perfectly aware and you see it on social media as well and i just want to let you folks know those who appreciate my advice and analysis in my candor and always being upfront with you yeah i'm not being a coward i'm trying to be respectful but i think there's a line and that line is getting dangerously close. I will tell you guys this, and I will promise you this. There isn't a fucking skeleton in my closet. The things that are wrong with me, you all know. You've been listening to me for 10 years on SiriusXM, maybe 15 years in podcast form and reading my, the writings and things for 15 plus years. Maybe you read my newspaper articles back in the day. I don't know. However you follow me, maybe you're just friends or relatives. I, whatever. You guys know me by this point. Some of you are new and I understand. But people, my former coworkers, there's a couple former coworkers that are really great people, really good, went on, moved, moved along, started their own company and stuff, and I'm so proud of those guys. I am proud of everybody who does what they want to do. But there are two, and those two motherfuckers are getting on my last nerve. Those two motherfuckers have done things that are unspeakable, that are that are absolutely against the law, that are very, very horrendous, terrible things. Okay? And I'm not talking murder, all right? Nothing like that. Jesus. But these are bad people. There's two really bad people. All right, and I'll let you guys decide. And I'm not gonna, I don't I don't need to say names yet, but I'm close. The next podcast, episode 21, you're going to want to put that, hit that subscribe button right now because you're going to want to know because the world's, I'm going about to burn these motherfuckers very, very soon because I cannot take it anymore. I wish everybody well, whether we get along or not, but I did nothing but treat certain people with dignity and class and respect. And there are times they have let our subscribers and customers down. They have let our fellow employees down. They have uh, taken from our company, they have misled and misdirected our company, and they have down, done downright awful things. And now these fucking guys go out on social media and they want to talk tough. They want to pretend that they're the good guys. In case you two are listening, you're not the good guys. You're the bad guys. And you, the reason you should know you're the bad guys is that you know how scared you are of what I have to say, of the proof, of the evidence that I have contained, the screenshots that I have. You know it. Think, and if you don't think I screenshotted the thing, you know, contracts and different things that you've signed and done and money that has been redirected, if you don't think that I did that, boy, you really underestimated me, pals. So let's just get that out of the way. This shit is coming down, folks. And for those of you who want to talk football, I'll get to it in a minute. But 
my last nerve has been struck and it's about to go down. So at Jeff underscore man's on Twitter in episode 21 may just indeed be the time where I light the world on fire, specifically these two former elite employees. They are about to get scorched fuck in earth. There we go. All right. It feels good. feels better. All right. Is everybody relaxed? Everybody good? Um, all right. So what's going on? One thing I'll comment on also before I dive in, into the Browns and just get to it is the Cam Newton signing. That has happened since our last podcast. Cam Newton signing a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. I think it's a tremendous signing for the Patriots. Obvious. Everything is contingent on Cam being healthy. But when you guarantee a player that's a former MVP of the league and really could have been two-time MVP of this league, and you get him for the bare minimum contract with incentives that likely will pay him $2 million and could pay him up to only seven and a half for a starting quarterback, you've done it. You've made a great signing. Even if he's not healthy, it costs you nothing for the Patriots. So I think it's a tremendous deal for them. Great landing spot, of course, for Cam Newton. A guy who just needs – he has immense talent, just needs that talent directed in the right, the right spots in the right ways. And if he holds up, he is going – the Patriots should now be a legitimate Super Bowl contender again, just like that. Just like that, Cam Newton takes them to that level, assuming, of course, he's healthy. So I like it from a fantasy perspective. My latest rankings over at fantasyguru.com. I do have Cam outside of the top. 12. So he's not a QB one at this point in time. I have him at 14, just outside of the QB one range. I want to see some health first and foremost, but I'm very excited by it. I'm very excited to see what Josh McDaniels will be able to do with him as well. So, um, you know, great signing right there. I do. I could talk forever about how little his contract is. Why is Nick Foles making $40 million and Cam Newton, MVP of the league, uh, making 500,000. Like there, there definitely is some shadiness and some shitty things. I won't get into that. Not on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not this episode. At least I'm not going to dive into that, but I do like Cam in new England and the, the fantasy upside is high level QB one. Absolutely. He's only 31 years of age. He's not over the hill, still in his prime years. So do not, if you're in a two quarterback super flex league, do not underestimate him. Do not for a moment be worried about making him your number two, possibly even your number one guy. That's the kind of, in a super flex league, having a guy, Cam Newton is your one, you can get away with that. And the reason you can is because he's got, QB one overall upside. He could be the top. He could outproduce Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Could. I don't have him ranked there. I don't have him projected there quite yet, but he's a guy who could. So it makes sense if you wanted to wait and play sort of that wait, you know, waiting game in a two QB league while everybody else is zigging and picking up the tier one, two, and three quarterbacks. Wait, wait, wait. Grab Cam as your first and then come back with it somewhere along the line and make maybe uh, uh, a Drew Locke or a um, Philip Rivers or somebody like that, Kirk Cousins, you know, a more stable piece. You know, somebody's a little bit more stable, make him your number two, and boom, you're good to go. I, I would be okay with that considering what you're likely getting in the first, second, third rounds at the running back and wide receiver positions. So there you go. All right. So here we go. Buying the Browns. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns here for a moment. It was, no question, a very disappointing 2018 season, 2019 season. Had high expectations. Um, came out of the gate. They're 2-2. Two and two. Got a couple of wins. Beat the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they spanked the Ravens. Uh, put up 40 on that defense and only gave up 25 to Lamar Jackson and company. It was looking pretty damn, pretty damn good. Right at two and two, not so bad. You look at well, they lost to Tennessee week one. That's fine, you know. And then you beat the Jets and the Ravens a signature win. All right, we're good. Well, 
then things got ugly and they started going down, downhill. They didn't win another game until they squeaked out one in week 10 against the Buffalo Bills, um, did beat the Steelers and Dolphins and started getting back into it, but fell apart in losses to the Steelers and uh, uh, Steelers, Cardinals, then Ravens and Bengals to close it out. And that was pretty much the end of the Freddie Kitchens era. Cleveland had a very talented roster last year. Very talented. All right, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham and all that. That was a talented roster. But here's the problem. And this is why I spend hours and hours and hours every year breaking down coaching staffs. Coaches make football teams. It's unlike many sports. It's not like Major League Baseball where a manager is just sort of a daycare worker. Daycare workers are important, of course. My wife was one for 17 years. Uh, very, but they, they're not parents, right? They're not with it 24-7. They're doing a job and they're holding hands and wiping butts, and that's about it. A football coach is like a parent. It's more than a parent. A football coach is a parent, a clergyman, a daycare worker, a uh, local town mayor all wrapped up into one it's so important because of all that goes into it in other sports you don't have plays that you have to call i mean you can do things there's, you, there's plays in baseball there's plays in basketball but not like it is you have a certain style in the nba you run the triangle offense or the pick and roll or whatever and it's sort of a textbook and you make variations or whatnot but Every single play that's called the NFL level is designed by people. Computers don't do it. People do it. And people decide on personnel groupings and packages and formations. You have to, you have to draw up what your formations are, what your plays are, what's the snap count, what, who runs which directions, how many of each do you have on the field, then which, which people, which actual humans do you put on that, in those spots, in those X's and O's. It's a complicated procedure, and every single play consists of that. Coaches mean a ton. Freddie Kitchens was not ready. He was not ready to be a head coach. He did well at the end of 2018, a lot of coaches do well when nobody knows what to expect and he's the new blood. He's younger and more hip than Hugh Jackson. And you know, the quarterback liked you and all the, all the things were going right. But when he started from scratch, Freddie kitchens, bottom line, did not have this team ready to play, did not have a discipline. Baker Mayfield, every fucking game came out talking nonsense talking against his teammates, talking against the other team, officials, coaches. He was very immature. And you need to look no further than the quarterback, a young quarterback, when your head coach doesn't have control of the football team, as Kitchens didn't. And Baker was all over the place, all over. Now, I like Baker Mayfield. I think there's something in there. I like the moxie. I think if channeled in the proper way, he can do great things. He's got the arm talent. Right? He's got enough escapability. He's got enough mental awareness. He's got enough physical tools and plenty of arm talent to be a strong franchise quarterback. Uh, I would liken him to a Matt Stafford. Okay, he's not, in, he's not in the Patrick Mahomes level. Obviously, he doesn't have the skill sets that a Lamar Jackson does. He doesn't have the accuracy of Aaron Rodgers. He's never going to be like those guys. But is he in the... He's very much a Matt Stafford, um, Carson Wentz, you know, though Philip Rivers, that tier of quarterback, absolutely. And I believe we start seeing that level of play out of Baker Mayfield this year. Okay. So obviously Kitchens lost the team. And then what happened? I mean, what Miles Garrett? Let's let's address that real quick. Miles Garrett swinging helmets and all, and all everything that happened there when he went after Mason Rudolph was just nonsense and it was uh, boiled over frustration from a great player who Miles Garrett was playing his ass off last year playing his ass he was playing very well but had no nothing to show for it you know the offense wasn't producing the rest of the defense weren't producing. It just didn't work out, and that frustration boiled over in that, uh, uh, what was it, week 13? 
I don't know. It was the week 11 loss, and then they, they came back and uh, – or win, I should say, and then they came back at Pittsburgh and lost that game. So, you know, Miles Garrett boiling over, obviously he would have been a big help down the stretch to this Cleveland team to possibly make a run for the playoffs last year. But they finish at 6-10. and 10. Kitchens is gone, and and that's that. So let's dive into the Cleveland Browns, as I have in the coaching breakdowns over at fantasyguru.com, okay? And I've done it with every single team. But it, it really all starts at the very, very top. And the very top of the Cleveland Browns organization is the owner, Jimmy Haslam, right? Jimmy Haslam's a guy who's desperately trying. He's trying to do anything he can to bring a winner to Cleveland. It, it is his sole mission right now to do. And he has, he has done... It's weird because he doesn't have basic football. He has football understanding, but not. He, he thinks everything's done by committee and bringing in focus groups. And you know those people. We all have those people. We all know. Maybe they're your parents. Maybe it's you. What? Maybe it's an aunt or uncle or or a coworker, and they can't make a decision without have, you know, getting input from fifty different people. For a lot of people, especially a lot of very successful people like Jimmy Haslam. That works out. It just works out sometimes. And, um, you know, that, that's the approach that he has taken here in, uh, in, with the Cleveland Browns. Going into two years ago, if you remember, it was two years ago, the, the um, Hard Knocks on HBO, where they had general manager John Dorsey was a big part of that. Now let's examine this for a second. John Dorsey is a guy who put a lot of this talent onto the field for the Cleveland Browns. He was tagged as being Haslam's guy and being the general manager, um, you know, sort of relieved Sashi Brown and all that. And, and Sashi Brown, by the way, was the Mr. Analytics guy and, you know, brought in again, um, you know, with uh, w- under Jimmy Haslam and Sasha Brown didn't work out because he hires Hugh Jackson and you know his approach didn't work. Now Jimmy Haslam, the owner, has not forgotten about those roots. Some people think, oh, they took a turn. They went to the old football guy approach instead of the analytical approach. No, they really didn't. The Browns have one of the biggest analytic departments in the National Football League. And again, I talk about that every single analytics department in my coaching breakdowns. They got guys like Paul DiBattista, who for Major League Baseball, he's actually the chief strategy officer now for the Browns, where DiBattista come from the world of baseball. You remember his character is played by Jonah Hill in the movie Moneyball. And so you've got him, you've got the new general manager, uh, Andrew Barry, you've got football administration, Chris Cooper, you got some really analytical, smart, sharp minds, Ryan Grigson, who's an advisor here, you've got research and data and strategy departments throughout the organization. So they are very, very on top of the modern age of National Football League and analytics and doing the right thing. And that has been a big Jimmy Haslam point from the beginning since he bought the team and so that element is still here now john dorsey was sort of the old football coach you know guy former player um you, you know sort of knows the locker room could tell a player when he sees it and comes from a scouting background so john dorsey is a guy that uh you know was the uh, um, director of football operations and player personnel for the Seattle Seahawks after Mike Holmgren left. See, he was with the Packers and was a college scout and then left with Holmgren, built that team up a little bit, went back to the uh, Packers when he got an upgrade there as director of college scouting, eventually the director of football operations, won a Super Bowl as such, then went over to Kansas City. Oh, that's interesting. Kansas City. Well, what did he do in Kansas City? Did he do anything good in Kansas City? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he did do good stuff in Kansas City. He hired Andy Reid. That's pretty good. Pretty good little move there. Got you recruited Andy Reid to, you know, when he got fired, relieved the duties in Philadelphia, brings him to Kansas City. Oh, 
John Dorsey drafts a fifth rounder named Tyreek Hill and a third rounder named Travis Kelsey and trades up or doesn't even trade up in the first round. Wait, wait, he did trade up. Patrick Mahomes. Yep, all brought in by John Dorsey, all identified and brought in by Dorsey. Interesting. Then Dorsey gets the job in Cleveland. He comes to Cleveland in 2017. And there you go. He drafts Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was a surprise pick, just as surprising as the Mahomes pick, really. Kind of identified same type that, you know, he had that first overall pick in 2018 after bottoming out in 2017 and, and went with Baker Mayfield when there's other quarterbacks that were on the board and sort of surprised some people with that. He goes and gets Denzel Ward, shutdown corner from Ohio State, Nick Chubb. He finds Antonio Callaway late in the draft that year as well. He was supposed to be his Tyree Kill type with some off-field problems. Callaway obviously couldn't stay clean and now has been jettisoned from the NFL. But he goes and acquires a ton of talent all of a sudden. All right? He goes recruits Jarvis Landry. He gets Odell Beckham to pair with Jarvis Landry. I mean, this is – and don't forget, Miles Garrett was his first first-round pick in 2017 when he came aboard. So John Dorsey put together this roster. And when you start looking at coaches, when you start looking at organizations, and especially ones that have success, you have to start looking at, the, at who's responsible. Who are the voices? Who's the, who are the decision makers? What's going right and what's going wrong? Okay? And for the New England, when I say New England Patriots, tell me who's responsible for their championships. If you said Tom Brady, I'm going to put my slipper into your face. No, it's not Tom Brady. It's Bill Belichick. All right? When I said the name Bill Parcells, who comes to mind? Who's responsible? Oh, Bill Parcells was the coach. Bill Parcells didn't win shit without Bill Belichick. Go look at those Belichick defenses in the Giants those years, even with the Jets. Go look at them. Belichick. Defenses were fantastic. You dive into those games, those playoff games against the 49ers in 86 and the Redskins in 91 and all these games that they were outmatched. The Giants were outmatched. And Bill Belichick came up with a creative, great game plan, got over the hump and went, went to the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowls. Did the say he's done the same thing in New England. Okay, he's the guy responsible. You start looking at it. It's, it's the way everyone loves Sean McVay. And he's a young kid. He's hip and he's got a good haircut. Yay. But he also had a lot of success. Go look at Sean McVay back in 2012 with the Redskins. Why did RG3 and Alfred Morris do well? Are they great players? No. They had Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and a tremendous coaching staff. Start looking at players that for general managers, for owners, you need to they need to be tasked with building an organization. Do they embrace analytics? Do they embrace modern thinking? Are they old school? Are they new school? Whatever it is, when it comes to general managers, can they identify talent? That's their job. There's just two major things with general managers. Can they identify talent? Can they pick out talent? And that means on free agency, that, and, and not the, oh, I'm going to go sign uh, uh, you know, whatever the biggest price free agent is that they know. That's not what we're talking about. Talking about, uh, they went out and got a guy that's perfect for their system. Got him at a, wasn't highly sought after. Maybe he's an above average. He's an all pro player, but a Jarvis Landry. Okay. Jarvis Landry is a perfect example of that. And John Dorsey brought in and you start tracking those hits and misses and you start thinking to yourself, holy shit, this guy's been in three organizations who won Super Bowls at one responsible for the second Super Bowl in Kansas city. And then unfortunately John Dorsey may miss the Super Bowl here in Cleveland. That's right. I said it. I said it. Not this year. Maybe not this year. We'll see. So John Dorsey ability to develop and identify talent and put it on the field. Pretty freaking good. Pretty good track record right there, okay? So that's that. So now, obviously, Dorsey's gone, though. He had a miserable time. And now you got uh, Andrew Barry, who is there as well. Well, where did, Dan, you know, where did Mr. Barry come from? Well, scouting director, Indianapolis Colts. Oh, boy. <laughs> did well putting talent around Peyton Manning, didn't he? Yes, he did. 
did pretty well when he was their pro scouting coordinator and drafted Andrew Luck? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You know, vice president player personnel for the Browns. That's a great thing. Harvard educated, by the way. Very, very um, embracing of analytics and everything else. Okay. Young, the youngest general manager in the NFL. I think he's 32, 33 years old, something 34 maybe at the very oldest, somewhere in there. I know he's the youngest in, in the National Football League. Builds the analytical department, goes out and hires another young head coach himself and Kevin Stefanski. Now, Kevin Stefanski, another very young coach, 40 years old, 38, 39 years old. Kevin, Kevin Stefanski, 38 only. Holy shit. Younger than I thought. Um, been around a while, though, with Stefanski. He is a you know, sort of a football lifer, if you will. Um, you know, Played at the University of Pennsylvania. He's been in the Minnesota Vikings organization for so long. He's actually coached on uh, in both sides of the football. He's coached individual position groups, quarterbacks, tight ends, running backs. Was offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator who called plays, offensive coordinator who didn't call plays. Now, the thing to know about Stefanski, and if you read my coaching breakdowns normally, and you did last year, and even if you do this year, you will know, and I will say the negatives right here, he was not the architect of that Vikings offense. No, he was not. Gary Kubiak coming in. Him and Rick Dennison set up the running game. The running game played off everything. Basically, Stefanski was the passing game coordinator. That's essentially what he was. All right, and fine he did a pretty good job of it her cousin's numbers are pretty damn good they lost adam Thielen last year and still were able to produce they adjusted to their strengths a lot of two tight end sets we saw irv smith sort of have a mini breakout there towards the end of the season with rudolph you know playing all off of uh, that strong running game stefanski younger guy very uh analytic friendly, if you will. So what you know here is you've got a sort of younger, hipper, more modern owner with the youngest general manager in the league, with one of the youngest head coaches in the league, with a front office full of analytic approaches. Everybody now is on the same page. When you had Hugh Jackson and Dorsey with Haslam and you had – Barry was there too. Andrew Barry was there. You had all these conflicting ideologies, so a lot of compromise was happening. You know, it, it's like when you want Italian, your wife wants Chinese, and you guys end up going out and getting a burger. It's like, well, you know, not wrong with a burger, fine, burger, fine. But it's not what either of you wanted, right? That, that's what the Browns have been. The Browns have a ton of talent. So Stefanski, he's a placard. He is a placeholder type head coach. He's a guy who has experience can rally the troops, can identify with players and the front office, a great bridge to there. Not a heavy scheme guy necessarily, but he has this history in Minnesota, and he had incredible success last year learning from Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison. So they come in here, and in case you guys have been asleep during this whole uh, quarantine time, your boy Pappy Mans hasn't been. Pappy Mans has been researching what kind of offense they're going to run. Pappy Man's got a hold of some uh, good data and information with the Cleveland Browns. They are going to run West Coast outside zone scheme. Boy, pretty damn similar. Go look at Kubiak. What do you run in Denver? What do you run in Houston? What do you run in Minnesota? Oh, there you go. So what what does that scheme mean? What does that, that system mean? Well, outside zone is fantastic. Outside zone is where you need athletic offensive lineman and essentially it's right on the cusp of being cut blocks and not cut blocks it's legalized chop blocks that's the way kubiak rick dennison the offensive line coach it goes back to mike shanahan and uh, um alex gibbs that's the way they taught it back in those denver broncos days okay it's you kind of stretch the field you move your offensive linemen along, the guards and tackles both pull, they move around, and you create big cutback lanes for the running back. The running back doesn't need to be crazy fast or elusive or even strong. 
the, the running back needs to be able to make, have great vision and balance, make one cut and go. That's why we've seen random running backs, Mike Anderson, Orlandis Gary, Tatum Bell, Clinton Portis was good. Terrell Davis came out of nowhere. Um, Aaron Foster came out of nowhere. All these guys that have gotten Alfred Morris came out of nowhere and to do Raheem Mostert in, in San Francisco, they run a very similar system because it's the same tree with Kyle Shanahan out there in San Francisco. These guys come out of nowhere and produce because they need a single skill. You can't, unless you're looking, you don't know these running backs exist. You don't know they're going to be great because you, you didn't test them. You know, they're fast and they're 40 times and three cone drills and height and weight and everything. You can't tell a great one cut runner unless you purposely put them in these situations and test them for this ability. Well, Nick Chubbs and fucking thoroughbred when it comes to this, like you can't, it's off the charts how well he grades in an outside zone scheme, especially when run properly. Okay. So this scheme is going to focus this system in the offense for the Cleveland Browns. And by the way, who do they go out and get then? Alex Van Pelt. What does Alex Van Pelt bring to the table? Nothing. Alex Van Pelt, what he brings to the table, everybody, you want to know that? Well, he, uh, he is a quarterback guru, I guess we'll call him. Not, he doesn't have his own system. He's not like even Stefanski or Kubiak or Shanahan or one of these guys. Alex Van Pelt has been around. Do you know who Alex Van Pelt has been the backup quarterback for in his playing career? You realize that this, I mean, he's been Jim Kelly for years, the backup to Jim Kelly. How about Joe Montana? Anybody ever heard of him? Pretty fucking good. How about Aaron Rodgers? How about being Aaron Rodgers positional coach? How about that? Pretty good. All right. How about uh, winning, you know, uh, going to Super Bowls with those Buffalo Bills team, you know, as a coach then. He is very, very well versed at quarterback speak and relating to young quarterbacks and developing quarterbacks as well. All right. And it's the perfect coach for Baker Mayfield. Van Pelt is going to slow Mayfield down. The scheme is that Kitchens was trying to run a spread offense, trying to throw all kinds of formational changes and all kinds of motion, everything. They're not going to do that. Cleveland Browns this year with Van Pelt and Stefanski are going to run very basic styles, but they're going to do it over and over and over. That's what outside zone running. It's not about, it's not about tricking or fooling everybody on the field knows it's coming. They simply can't stop it. Defensive linemen, linebackers, are the reason they can't stop, they're terrified. If executed properly, they're worried you're going to take out their fucking knees. They hate facing. Ask any defensive lineman in the NFL. Anybody. Any edge rushers. They hate going to get the outside zone where you have this, uh, this, this Shanahan-type zone blocking, or Alex Gibbs is really the architect behind it from back in the day. You can't do it. So you got, they're going to rely. Nick Chubb's going to be the focal point of the offense. But Kareem Hunt, fuck Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is an amazing, amazing backup. Amazing. If something happens to Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt's going to come in here and rush for a boatload of yards and be a number one fantasy running back. Right? Kareem Hunt will get third down carries. I'm telling you, that I don't, they're not going to have that many third downs. And when they do, they, they're not going to – it's not necessarily just going to dink and dunk the football and chuck down all the time. So this idea that Kareem Hunt's going to get just a ton of action isn't quite accurate. He'll get time, and he's a very use, usable piece in fantasy. But I'm telling you, Nick Chubb – Right now, folks, you're the first people to hear this. Nick Chubb is going to set the all-time record for yards per carry in the National Football League this year. He's going to, obviously, has to qualify, so has to have, uh, I think, 240 rushing attempts. He's going to average over 6.1 yards a carry. That would be the highest ever. He's going to do it. He may run for 2,000 yards, Nick Chubb. Yes, he's a first-round pick. Absolutely, he should be a first-round pick. This is the perfect system for him. It couldn't be better. It couldn't. And you think, all right, 
fine system. It's a fit. Man, we've heard this before. There's been other systems and everything else. Okay, well, let me go even deeper on you. Let me, let me talk a little bit more about what makes this Browns offense so great. Uh, so we know the running game. What else? It's a West Coast. So what? it's going to be a lot of passing. All right. They're going to run more than traditional West Coast. That's just the style. But West Coast is about short pass routes. Get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly and efficiently. It's why Tom Brady, early in his career, he eventually went to a spread offense. It's why Joe Montana. It's, it's why these guys who are just smart, quick thinkers, good decision makers, and very efficient, if you will. Very, they identify the open guy, just get it out, get it in the receiver's hands, move the chains, another play, another set of downs. That's why they're so good. Baker Mayfield's not going to have to do a lot. He's not going to have to do a lot. He's going to have to just get the ball out right in the spots to his receivers. And, oh, by the way, how about those receivers? I mean, you look at it. You know, Jarvis Landry is a top six fantasy wide receiver over the last three years. And that's one season in Miami, two very disappointing seasons in Cleveland. Jarvis Landry's been absolutely phenomenal. Jarvis Landry is one of the best possession receivers in the National Football League. He's only 27 years old, folks. 27 years old, his targets have been 112, 166, 131, 161, 149, 138. That's for, two, that's for two shitty teams, terrible teams. Dolphins and Browns, his receptions, 84, 110, 94, 112, 81, 83. He's had 81-plus receptions every single year. It's crazy. Yardage total, 758, by the way, in only 11 starts his rookie year. 1157, 1136, 987, 976, 1174. Travis Landry is going to thrive. Quick routes, get open, which he's very great at. Catch the football, which he's got amazing hands. Great possession receiver. It's all Baker has to do. Move the chains. Give the ball back to Chubb, run outside zone. Chubb will hit a home run or pick up six, seven, eight yards. Second and short, do whatever you want it's just, it's perfect. And not only that, what about the off-season moves? What about the off-season moves of the Browns? Maybe you guys don't, weren't paying attention. They went out and grabbed, they have David Njoku, a first-rounder from a couple years ago, who is, has been an absolute red zone weapon for this team when healthy, got hurt last year. But they go out and tight end and get Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper, all he's done the last three seasons in, uh, in Atlanta is go out and catch 80 plus or 70 plus passes every single year. That's what he did. Now, did they need Austin Hooper? I, I don't love the signing personally, but Austin Hooper, 71, 75 receptions each of the last two years. 88, 97 targets for the Falcons, who, oh, by the way, have had two great other wide receivers, bookend receivers, and Julio Jones and, uh, and um, Calvin Ridley. So as a nice possession-type receiver, he hasn't hit home runs. He only has had four and six touchdowns the last two years, 660 and 787 yards. So it's not big yardage, but he's the perfect guy. Now you could, all of a sudden, and oh, by the way, what did we learn when we talked about Stefanski and what happened, what really helped – with the Vikings last year is the development of Irv Smith having two tight ends running the 21 personnel. You could run out of that. And when you do, you could be very, very effective. And you got two very good pass catching tight ends here that you can line up on the line. You could use motion and split them off wide. Hooper has lined up in the slot plenty the last two years. I think, yeah, like 18% slot rate, pretty decent. In Atlanta, they'll use him more out of that. He absolutely is the body type to split out in the slot. You can run out of that formation. You can pass out of that formation. Gives options to the quarterback and very effective, good, efficient options too. So that's another weapon that the Cleveland Browns have. And notice we haven't even talked about probably their biggest home run threat, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is... I have ragged on him for years because he is big player nothing. He's big gamer nothing. But what have I talked about this entire time with Cleveland? They're going to be crazy productive and efficient running the football. 
They're going to pick up, make quick decisions, get the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands quick, 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 simplify the offense, move the chains. And, oh, by the way, they've got this unbelievable downfield threat, run after the catch threat, slant over the middle threat to take it to the house, and Odell Beckham. You get two home run hitters, two of the most prolific in the NFL, and Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham, in one offense. You don't need to be crafty and crazy and all the, the shit that uh, Freddie Kitchens was trying to do. You have the, the horses. Now you need to let them run. Great play design or lots of tomfoolery with motion and all that stuff is great when you need it. When you have Adam Thielen as your receiver or you know some other just slow one-dimensional type wide receiver. When you've got Beckham and Landry and Chubb, line up and let them rock. Let them go. I haven't even talked about my favorite part of this Cleveland Brown offense yet. I haven't even talked about it. Their offensive line. That's been a problem. That was a big problem last year. They tried. They went out. They got uh, Joel Batonio and J.C. Treader a left guard and a center um, the previous off season and, and have been trying to upgrade the offense line. It worked. It was, it was better in 2019 than it was in 2018. It's been a major problem this off season, folks. I, if you haven't been paying attention, that's one of the reasons you were probably speculating why I like the Browns. They went out and got one of his number six run blocking tackle in the national football league, Jack Conklin from the Tennessee Titans, sign him to a big deal. He's going to play right tackle. Who's Jack Conklin? He's the guy who blocked for Derrick Henry last year in Tennessee, last couple of years. Jack Conklin is a very good perennial all-pro right tackle. Massive upgrade. Massive upgrade to you know, what they had last year. Oh, who they have? Was it Chris Hubbard? I can't remember who they had last year, right tackle. It's blind. It's Blanking me. But that is fantastic. So, okay, when you add an all-pro caliber guy like that, and at this time last year, I was all about Derrick Henry. Those of you who are fantasy gurus, subscribers, or follow me at Jeff underscore man on Twitter know that. He was in the, my manifesto on Fantasy Guru. I had a second-round grade on Derrick Henry, very high second-round grade. He was a fourth-round ADP. Everybody in our site got Derrick Henry, and we won championships with him. Why did I love Derrick Henry last year? Did I, oh, he's going to score 16 touchdowns? No. They add Roger Saffold, left guard. They had Taylor Lewan, left tackle, Roger Saffold, left guard, and Jack Conklin, right tackle. Three all-pros along an offensive line. Fantastic. And then you get a bruiser like Henry. That's why the Titans ran the ball so damn much. They could. And look at the Titans went out. They know. They know. They, they knew they lost uh, a great one in Jack Conklin. They just couldn't afford it. So they spent their first-round pick on Isaiah Wilson trying to, to make up for that loss. Now, rookie tackle doesn't equal a guy with that kind of experience. I'll take Conklin every day there. So it's a huge get. Well, the Browns also used their first-round pick on the player that I had. He is the most NFL-ready left tackle by a mile, one of the better pure left tackles in the game to come out in years from the University of Alabama and Jedrick Wills. The absolute best left tackle. Now, I ranked Mekhi Becton ahead of Wills as offensive tackle going in the draft. The reason I did so is because Mekhi Becton was one of the – he's a landmass. The guy is an island. He's the biggest, most athletic player we've seen – come out in the offense line in a decade at least. But Wills is the most polished. And Wills was a tremendous get for this Browns team. There's no weaknesses on offense, folks. Not only all that, you got real significant depth here. Because you got you know, they drafted a guy like Nick Harris, who was a great run blocker, a fifth round pick this year as well. You got Chris Hubbard. Kendall Lamb, who are depth at the tackle spots, who could start in the case of emergency, aren't that bad. You've got Hooper and Najoku. You've got Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You've got Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum. 
Case Keenum is a pretty, you know, guy who did very well in Minnesota. Oh, wait a minute. Who was in Minnesota? That's right, Stefanski. Do you see the symmetry? Do you see how everything has fallen exactly in line with the Cleveland Browns? If you don't, it's okay. That's what my job is. It's what I'm here for. I'm hoping, I'm just begging I'm breaking this down properly for you guys and that you're understanding, holy shit, I need to get some Cleveland Browns. There will not be a fantasy draft in which I don't have a Cleveland Brown on my team. Now, maybe that's Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham. Maybe it's uh, Nick Chubb. Maybe it's just the one share of Landry. Maybe I end up with an Austin Hooper share. You know, I'm going to have a Brown in every draft I'm in. I'd be stunned if I, if I didn't. And the great thing about the Browns and why I'm deciding to do this podcast so early in the season after I've broken down everything, but I want you guys, those who download the One Man's Opinion podcast, I want you to go out and bet on them now. Bet everything. Bet the overs on literally everything Cleveland Browns. Right now, they have a win total of eight. You can get them just about everywhere for eight. I have not seen seven and a half for a while, not since the draft. I think the Sharps are starting to uh, keep that. I have a feeling it's going to go to eight and a half. They're going to win more than eight games this year. It's a tough division. Ravens, Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger's back. No doubt. No doubt it's a tough division. Bet that. Bet over passing yards on Mayfield. Bet over rushing yards on Nick Chubb. Bet over receiving yards on Odell Beckham Jr. All of it. They are going to smash. This offense is going to smash. Now, defensively, all right, there's a lot with defense, too. I'm not going to get into the defense side of the ball too much, but I do have to tell you, their defense coordinator, who do they go out and hire? They went out and hired Joe Woods. Now, who's Joe Woods? What is Joe Woods? I don't understand. What does he do? Oh, well, Joe Woods. Pedigree of winning. Again, another one. You know, studied, he was with Minnesota for a long time. He and Stefanski knew each other very well. He was a defensive backs coach for one of the best defensive back coaches in Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. Spends a year in Oakland, fine, you know, whatever, but he still got Charles Woodson at 150 years old to have an all-pro season. Then he goes to Denver, wins a Super Bowl, defensive backs coach. Remember, that 2015 season, does anybody remember Peyton Manning was kind of shot? He was great in 2014, then he gets hurt in 2015. Brock Osweiler's to come in. Remember that defense? That's it's the defense, and Von Miller got all the credit and everything. Well, go look closer. I did. That defensive backfield was the fucking nuts. Turnovers, tackles, coverage, fantastic. Then he becomes defense coordinator for the Broncos for a couple of years. All right. Two really good years, 2017, 2018. Broncos weren't good, but defense, those numbers were pretty damn good. Stops the pass. Where did he go last year? Aha. Uh-huh. Let me, let me, before, you know, Joe Woods left Denver after 2018. He went to the NFC. What NFC team's defense kind of came out of nowhere? last year and did amazing i'll wait for your answer the 49ers that's right he was the defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator robert sala got a ton of credit and rightfully so did great nick bosa came in all that but how the fuck can you tell me as a dfs player how in the world do you take corners that were trash. Akella Weatherspoon, Kwan Williams were two of the worst cover men in the National Football League in 2018. How? I targeted against them every week and I won boatloads of money doing that. How do you take those two and a 55 year old Richard Sherman and become the number one defense against the pass? Well, if you said, well, they greatly improved their pass rush because they had DeForest Buckner and they bring in Nick Bosa. I'll accept that answer, and you're a very smart person. But the secondary held its own, too, and that's Joe Woods. Joe Woods is going to get the secondary of Cleveland in order, and that's a problem. They have a lot of talent here. I mentioned Denzel Ward. They have Carl Joseph, from old safety from the, the Raiders, Greedy Williams. 
a shutdown corner at times. They went and got uh, Andrew Sandejo from Minnesota that um, Stefanski has known for a long time. Former Cincinnati Bengals, been around, perfect for this, this uh, system. Grant Delpit was their second-round pick, a free safety, um, who they go out and, and pick up here from LSU, won a national championship a sheriff, if you will, of the defensive backfield. Get Miles Garrett back, Sheldon Richardson in the middle. Oh, where is he from? Oh, he spent time in Minnesota, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Olivier Vernon, two pass rushers, two legit edge rushers now. His defense is in great shape. This defense is in great shape. Still, you still don't believe. You still don't believe in the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Let's go through it. Let's walk. I'll walk you through it. How about this, everybody? I've got my projections. I've got all my projections for the entire 2020 NFL season. I got the player projections for fantasy over fantasyguru.com. But I've got every game mapped out. Every game. Let's go through the Browns season. They open up division rival game against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Well, that's a loss. It's a loss. Yeah. I think the Browns could beat Baltimore. I don't, I don't. Baltimore, great team. Love the additions of Clayus Campbell. Devin Duvernay gives Lamar Jackson another weapon. If he decides to throw the ball, it's going to be tough to shut that down. They're going to lose that game, no, no doubt. 0-1. Shit. Maybe I'm wrong. Next game, Cincinnati Bengals at home. Yeah, that's Cannon will pass. They're going to will pass. Another home game next week, Washington Redskins. Boom. Two wins, right? We're two and one looking pretty good. Next week, week four at Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, Mike McCarthy's there. It's good offense, Dak Prescott, all this stuff. Well, I've got, I've got them winning that game on the road in Dallas. And again, this is one. This is one that could go either way. Put an asterisk on this. Say, all right, this could go either way. It's a tough road game for sure. But Dallas Cowboys lost uh, Travis Frederick along the offensive line. They've had injuries on that line for a while. They're unsettled with Dak Prescott right now. Zeke's another year older. That defense sustained significant, significant losses last year. Not the same defense, even close. So this one will probably be a shootout, and I have it as such. I have a 31-25 to game here for that game. Yeah, 56 total. In, but I have Cleveland winning that game. All right, fine. Next week is at home game against the Indianapolis Colts. <sighs> Colts are good. Colts are real good this year. All right, that's a home game against Indianapolis. Absolutely winnable. This could be an AFC championship preview. What do you guys think of that? That's how highly I think of the Indianapolis Colts. I got this one as a loss. They're going to lose that game. All right, so they're going to lose that game. So where are we at? We are at uh, three and two. Go on the road next week. They face off against the Steelers on the road. Tough game, Steelers defense good. Ben Roethlisberger is back. Whoops, they lose. Three and three, shit. Man, you're killing me here. Big deal. They beat the Bengals and Redskins, and I don't even think they're going to beat the Cowboys. I think they're going to be four or two and four, man. Blah, blah, blah. Well, how about this? Another game. You know what comes nice? A nice little matchup against Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, but they'll win that game. They will win that game. They're four and three. Las Vegas Raiders at home. Raiders are improved. Gruden, it's always a tough out. Cleveland's going to win that game. Five and three. Next week. Houston Texans at home. Texans are a good team. Sean Watson is not going to be easy. I have this one as being incredibly close, but this is another win for the Cleveland Browns. That's another win for them. Six and three home game next week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, my Eagles fans, you guys never will disappoint me. I know you think, oh, Eagles, you're an Eagles state. I have, them, I have the Browns projected to win this game, but I think it's going to be super close. I think it's going to be super, super close. But Browns are at home. I think they're feeling it at this point. Uh, you have a uh, coach with great, real good history 
against Philadelphia, both on the defense off and offensive side of the ball, and Stefanski and Joe Woods, I think they win that game. They're seven and three. At Jacksonville the following week, do I have to say the worst team in the NFL? Eight and three. Next week, they go and play at Tennessee. Now, Tennessee, they're going to have great insight here because you have Jack Conklin. It's a one-dimensional offense. If you stop the run in Tennessee, make Ryan Tannehill beat you, I think Cleveland could win this game. But I do have it as a loss. This one is super close, but I have Tennessee eking it out there as well. They are eight and four. Following week, they're at home against the Baltimore Ravens. The Cleveland Browns are good enough based on everything I broke down for you to split against the Ravens, but for the benefit of the doubt, they're going to lose that game. They are eight and five. Okay. Down the stretch, two games in a row, both in the exact same stadium, New York Giants and New York Jets. Browns will win both of those games, both of those games, and I have no doubt about it. No doubt whatsoever. They'll go nine and five, 10 and five. Following week, home game against the Steelers. Again, Browns are great, te- a good team. I think they could sweep the Steelers this year. I gave the Steelers the win at home. This one, I had the Browns being in a matchup, uh, being with the advantage. That's another win. The Cleveland Browns are going to go 11 and five with a win total of eight. You don't see that. That doesn't ever happen in projections not mine at least maybe other people where you don't really where you just guess or what have you but this is all and i i have two games in which they play um against the cowboys and and against the um the eagles right both games are very Questionable, and they could lose both those games. Well, if they lose both those games, and you're just not going to believe, that still puts them at nine and seven. Still over the eight-win total, even if it moved eight and a half. Okay? Even that. That's pretty damn good. And I have one game, the Tennessee game, that is in Tennessee. I think the Cleveland Browns can absolutely win that game. Could go either way. It's a coin flip, if you will. I had them losing that game, so they could go 12-4. and four. So this, this team, I hope I've laid it out to you. This is a team you invest in. The great thing about it is we're doing it at low cost. We're getting great odds on our money betting it. We're getting, you know, what was it? The eight is their win total. Their um, odds to win the Super Bowl this year. Now, that's a tough one. I don't, I'm not going to necessarily bet the Super Bowl to win, but they are still 34 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Okay. They are, I get them as high as 25 to 1 to win the AFC. I think the AFC is going to be a tough conference. You got the Chiefs defending champions, you got the Ravens who are ultra tough. The Patriots just got uh, Cam Newton. I think the Colts are very, very tough in this division, too. So. Cleveland's not going to represent the Super Bowl, but you're getting enough odds that the bet is worthwhile. But the smart bet to make is the over eight wins and do it immediately. And then in fantasy football, pick your spots. Don't get all of them. Don't stack it necessarily, unless you're in a best ball format. Best ball stack the hell out of the Browns. In a redraft league, get Mayfield and Landry, Mayfield and Beckham, Get a combination. I have no problems going that route. If you just want to, if you you buy in, but you're not all the way in, just grab Baker, just grab Odell Beckham, or just go Nick Chubb, let it ride. If you get Nick Chubb, I would also get Kareem Hunt, just in case. If something happened to Nick, if something happens to, to Nick Chubb, let's say he gets hurt in week two or three or something like that, Kareem Hunt's going to rush for 1,500, 1,600-plus yards. Like that's the way it's going to – he will. That's, that's what I mean, this depth. Nothing's going to slow them down. Even if Baker Mayfield gets hurt. Baker Mayfield goes down. Case Keenum's very capable with all these weapons and that offensive line. They have offensive line depth, running back depth, tight end depth, receiver depth, secondary depth. They've got depth everywhere in this field. It's a good team. So we're getting great, great uh, return on our money right there. All right, folks, so that 
hopefully you understand, is why we're buying the Browns in 2020. That's going to do it, folks. Um, that's about it. No other real news to tackle. I'm going to get into uh, position-by-position breakdowns here in future episodes. I still owe you guys some fun episodes. We'll talk about my 10-year anniversary at SiriusXM Radio, maybe some behind-the-curtain stories there. If you guys have different topics you want me to tackle, I don't care. You want me to get deeper into the elite fantasy stuff. You want me to get deeper into the SiriusXM stuff. You want me deeper in... Um, I don't care. I literally, it's, it's my podcast. I do what I want. I do whatever I want to do. It's up to you guys, the listeners, those of you who subscribe and download. That's what I'm doing this for. If you want to hear my takes on anything in life, hit me up at Jeff underscore Mans, M-A-N-S-D, Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and of course my favorite TikTok, the Jeff Mans over there. Folks, buy the Browns in 2020. Of course, if you disagree, that's okay. Why? because this was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Have a great one. Deuces!